Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show where our very own Cousin Mike and the new Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, gives you our thoughts on some of our favorite matches in wrestling history. Welcome to Tyler and Mike's Insights, presented by the Rewind Wrestling Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a debut edition of Tyler and Mike's Insights special presentation brought to you by the Rewind Wrestling Radio Network. We are also featured on the Rewind Wrestling Radio Podcast. You can find that program on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. And also a shout-out to whatamaneuver.net. Go get your Tyler Tickers t-shirts, your original OG t-shirts, and your Ivy Fans t-shirts. Also, don't forget about Ladies Night. You get great perspective from Ref Amy Veronica from CCW and Ivy herself, the temptress. She's going to tempt you with some great knowledge. But I'm joined with my colleague and co-host and my tag team partner, Cousin Mike here. And you selected a great program. That's WrestleMania 1. We've got a major tag team matchup. Uh, Tell us about it, Mike. So, basically... The trajectory of this match took like months to build up. Right. And it's not like the usual build up that we see in WWE now, like where we can predict like a year later. Like this was the first time something like this had happened. So everybody was just, whoa, and shocked. And everything like that. So the seed started with this big main event between Piper, Paul Orndorff, and Cowboy Bob Orton versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. What started this was uh, actually when Piper smacked uh, Jimmy Snook in the back of the head with the coconut. Yeah, that, that kick-started it all, and we were off to the races. Yeah, and it really helped elevate Piper into the main event scene. So it started with that. Uh, him and uh, Snook had their blow-off match. While this was going on, he hired Cowboy Bob Orton as a bodyguard. Correct. Which I'm not sure if this is around the same time that he had ended up getting, was it hepatitis or something like that? It might have been. I I think there was something to that effect, but I'm going to have to go back on my research. But you're probably so on to something. Like his, he, he had that scab on it or cast on his wrist for like years. I do but, remember uh, that. But, um, so that's the first part. They end up hiring Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, the next thing that happens is they start talking a lot of trash on the Rocking Wrestling Connection, which is Hogan and Mr. T's tag team. Uh, Hogan obviously didn't take too kindly to this. so No, he didn't. He had a match with Piper, and the match ended up ending with a disqualification victory. Because both Piper had Paul Orndorff get involved out of nowhere, which was a past feud for Hulk Hogan. So the seeds for that were already sown because he had already turned on Hogan. And then the other person who jumped in was Mr. T. Yes, that was a big part of it. Mr. T, I think we were seeing celebrity because, you know, WrestleMania 1, talk about debuts. This was the first ever WrestleMania 
on March 31st, 1985. And like you were saying, Mike, it was so big, the rock and wrestling connection, because you had Cindy Lauper, who was such a huge star, a megastar at the time, with uh, Captain Lou Albano and, and all this. They were integral parts to the successful formula. And uh, you're describing the event so uh, perfectly, how we got to this uh, point. And, uh, you know, elaborate on more. I think it's good to be educated. Uh, heck, I'm getting an education myself. So what I was getting at prior was it was about a year-long feud between Paul Orndorff and Hogan where at one point they were tagging together and then Orndorff returned on them. And they did, you know, the false finishes where it looked like Orndorff had won the title and everything like that. And we can get into later why some of these guys didn't get a run off the world title in like another show. I don't want to get into the, too much of the detail behind that, but there are reasons. Um, and it just, it was one of those things where it was like one big cohesive unit that fit and worked together. And it also took the country by storm because they did all kinds of non WWE TV related appearances. On shows yeah, got like into that. pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. And they really needed the pop culture boost at the time because other than Hulk Hogan and Piper, they didn't really have anybody with legs to kind of stand them up. I mean, they had Andre the Giant, but he was nowhere near at his peak. Yeah, this was later Andre. This was definitely uh, the downward spiral, unfortunately, very sadly for Andre. Yeah. And we know how that went a couple years later. But, um... Either way, like, there was one funny thing that happened, though, on the SNL appearance. Uh, Hogan put, uh, I think his name was Rich Belzar in a headlock. No, he did. Headlock. Knocked him out, and when the guy went down to the ground, he, like, cracked his head open or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, very memorable and very controversial. Because, you know, you had Dr. D. David Schultz had slapped Stossel prior, but then he got fired. But yet, because it was Hulk Hogan, whether fair or not, uh, it was like he got a pass. Yeah. So it was just crazy. And like some of the coolest things, especially spinning out of this like Mania main event was, uh, I don't know if you ever seen the uh, the video for the Goonies good enough for me. I'm, I'm I posted not sure a if link I to it. Well, I need to I go check it out. Because like basically it's a gas station being run by Cindy Lauper. And you've got Captain Lou Albano, and then the bad guys show up, and it's classy Freddy Blassie, Iron Sheik, uh, Roddy Piper, and Roddy Piper's called them lowly peasants and everything. Yeah, it's all-stars. I I mean, I'm going to have to go view it because I have not watched it yet. But the names you just listed, that's enough to interest me and with what we're talking about. That'll help me understand the impact of everything. Yeah, It's such a fun video. Lowly peasants. <laughs> That's what it's about. We're just having fun, man. We're we're two fans. We we appreciate the old stuff, but still talk the the new modern current product. And here's the things that still work and stood out to me, Mike, was the psychology. Even though this was getting into more of the sports entertainment aspect, really, if you think about it, that's what wrestling is. But I still preferred it to be called wrestling, and it was always funny because the way Vince promoted it was pretty ingenious because you did have wrestling in the title with it being the World Wrestling Federation then. We know it now currently as WWE, but that was a good way to market it because he was trying to get more of the families there instead of like the 
the kind of studio wrestling. He was trying to outgrow those audiences in a way. And like the pop and circumstance and everything like that too. Like you had the national anthem at the beginning of the show, right. which they do from time to time here and there. But I mean, it's really like, I haven't felt like it was that special up until I think like the first like five or six minutes after that, it just kind of got like tired and tacky. It, it did. Bringing, like pop cult. They were bringing in like pop stars to do it. Like, yeah, it kind of lost its uh, the specialty of it. But I yeah. do enjoy Aretha Franklin. Of course, I know we're not talking WrestleMania three. I believe it was. Now that was a great rendition. I hope I got that correct. Was that Aretha that did three? I think so. Yeah, but I know Whitney Houston did one of them too. Yeah, she did. I mean, you got Whitney Houston, Ray Charles. I think sing "America the Beautiful." I mean. So many big-time stars. And that's what made WrestleMania stand out like their own Super Bowl or World Series because you added that element of Hollywood into professional wrestling. And it's not that it hasn't been done or tried before. If you think about it, Andy Kaufman back in Memphis and a lot of things. But to this magnitude, the way Vance expanded and got into all these markets and what you were talking about before with what some of the events that led up to this uh, mega Spectacle, extravaganza, you know, borrow those 80s terms. It, it was uh, amazing. Yeah, and like the last time I think they ever did a really big build to a match for a main event for any pay-per-view that I could think of. Now, I wasn't around to see the first Rock versus Cena match, so I don't know if they did any build for that. But I remember watching the build for the SummerSlam match for the first time between Brock and Rock. Where, like, they both showed them working out, doing their routine and everything like that. It was great. It reminds you of the the Rocky films. I mean, you know how it, Sylvester Stallone would, you know, be punching on the bag or even the cow, the meat, in the butcher shop. I mean, yeah. all those scenes are oh, stand out. I mean, and you're a Philly guy. That, that's right up your uh, alley, being in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, like, watching the scene where they're talking to Bob Orton and, uh, they're like, what are you guys doing? They're like, they're meditating. And then... Piper hisses at the camera. It's classic, man. Piper was so good getting the heat. I mean, he was. He he was the rowdy one for a reason. And a lot of those guys learned that trade in the territories. And really, the WWF was a territory under Vince Sr., but Vince Jr. uh, opposed the old man with wanting to make it bigger and grander. And that's why a lot of the promoters did not like him, except maybe a few. But, you know, now the Briscoes would sell him that, their uh, their portion of what was it, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, I believe it was. Hopefully I got all that history uh, correlating, but something to that effect. Uh, they had yeah, they ended up with a TV spot. They did. So that's why I'm glad I've got Mike here because he can help correct me because he's he's the actual historian. I tried to do my research, but he, he's My brain's a little foggy right now because I'm coming off being sick. But Well, we're, I'm glad you're doing better. And, uh, hey, the wrestling can sometimes uh help that or not but i think wrestlemania one was so interesting i think what we can all agree upon it's the uh the backstory of wrestlemania one because vance really bet everything did he not on whether this was oh, yeah there was a lot of success. yeah exactly so what's your thoughts about that and, and we'll talk about the match and get into the main event but how vital was you know, how different, I guess, let me rephrase it, how different things would have turned out if WrestleMania 1 wouldn't have not been the success that we all know it was. How would wrestling look today? 
It's really hard to call because WCW still would have probably shot themselves in the foot, unfortunately, like Crockett and everything, especially that really horrible run that they had from like, what was it, 89 to like 91 when they had the guys like the Ding Dongs. Yeah, it was really bad under Jim Hurd and they were trying to, you know, do the gimmicks. But WWF was able to kind of get away with that, and people kind of associated with the way McMahon wanted to use more of the gimmicks. But yet, and you had a lot of the fans that were used to the Georgia Championship Wrestling, the Jim Crockett days, so they they did not like that kind of wrestling. But then WCW from 92 on, even though those were uh, low times for them, they had some great wrestling and great talent. They did. They did. It's just that the problem was is that once like once people veered away, they didn't go back because right. they had the same guys winning, and WWE went with the whole like new movement. They did. I mean that that's one thing that was the visionary aspect of Vince McMahon. Uh, whether people like him or not, he was a businessman. He was a promoter. I mean he knew how to get his message across. So that's why a lot of people can respect him from that as you know, from that point. He's Excuse me. Very good at, at covering up for a lot of people's flaws. Oh, he is. And uh, what I was going to talk to you about, Mike, uh, speaking of WrestleMania one, uh, tell us about the real life kind of issues that kind of lended the credibility to this main event, this tag team match between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. You mentioned Cowboy Bob Orton was in their corner taking on Hulk Hogan, Mr. T with Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Uh, you know, Mr. T and, and Piper, there was uh, no love lost there. And I, I don't think between. No, Orndorff there and wasn't. Not, and the reason why there was no love lost was because of the fact that T was from stories that I've read. So, like, I can't confirm this. I I wasn't in the locker room. You weren't in the locker room. I wasn't either. But he carried himself like he was hot shit. And really, he wasn't trying to get better. And a lot of guys were wanting him to get better. And the fact that he wasn't was pissing off a lot of people because they felt like there were people that were deserving to be in that spot. And they didn't get that spot because they needed a guy like Mr. T to come in and bring in the people to watch. No, that's so true, and I think even Hogan's gave his side of it, uh, and there's always going to be different viewpoints on it, but I, I think that's what it was. Even Gene Okerlund had attested to Mr. T's attitude. was not always on time, uh, felt like everything yeah, should have like, been handed to him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like it, it was very much a uh, – it was just like a disappointment to them because he had a build and everything like that, and they really wanted – God's honest truth, they wanted to turn him into a wrestler. Like, they wanted him to... They had all these big, like, large like plans for him and everything like oh, that. Oh, they did. It just ended up fizzling out. And honestly, like, when you talk to Mr. T and everything like that, and, like, he talks about back then and everything like that, like, he was young, dumb, and just doing stupid and Probably stuff. just didn't uh, respect or understand the wrestling business as it were, yeah. and I, I think that's very evident in interviews uh, since then. But it's pretty remarkable to know that I, I think I can understand where Piper, Orndorff, and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton uh, 
were coming from because they, they grew up in that territory old school mentality and they felt like Mr. T, to your point, was not showing the proper respect to the wrestling business, to what they call the boys, the wrestlers, and all the hard work and traveling up and down the roads and, and all that was going into this WrestleMania 1. On top of that, too, this was one of the uh, one of the times in the, in the entire history of wrestling where, like, the guys that were going to go down were the guys that had to carry the match. Like, if you look at, like, the sure. guys – that were working the match like Piper was great Orndorff was great and they basically had to carry Hogan and Mr. T so they had to carry one guy who basically could go but since he's in WWE he's wrestling at WWE style so he's doing I wouldn't say the bare minimum but he's doing what he's doing that makes him money and then you've got the other guy who's basically got no experience that they have to carry. So I know behind the scenes, there was a lot of frustration and, you know, I think this was the first time that Piper actually laid down on the mat for Hogan. I think he did too. It wasn't always easy for Piper with Hogan because there, there was some animosity there because that, that was the rule. It don't work for me, brother, all those phrases, because, and to Hogan's credit, it was uh, that was actually a brilliant move. I mean, with his creative control, he actually had some back then. It wasn't always just waiting yeah. for WCW. That's the narrative. But if you look at him and Vince's relationship, Hogan was great at politics, and, and actually that was smart. It just that's what aggravated people that they didn't do enough of that or were able to break through that process. But Piper was able to make sense to Vince because. Hogan beats Piper, it delegitimizes Piper. So there's no more money to be made. Whereas if they could find out how to make like odd finishes where Piper doesn't end up being pinned and it's like a DQ or something like that, yeah, we're going to keep wanting to come back to see Piper get his ass kicked. Yeah, it built up interest, uh, like you were talking about, remarking there. Uh, Piper was so good. And what I noticed too, Mike, of course they had to sell for the good guys, the baby faces, but they were very generous considering all the uh, – real-life animosity and hostility that was uh, prevalent in that locker room and backstage area even before the show. And But I can see why it was dollar signs for Vince and would help make the show, uh, speaking of WrestleMania 1, because Hulk Hogan came off that big, uh, speaking of Rocky, the reference uh, Rocky 3 with Mr. T and then Sylvester Stallone. So they wanted to capitalize off the box office uh, attraction that was uh, yep. not only WrestleMania, but the uh, films that were in the mainstream at the time, going back to pop culture. So one of the things that I take from this match, too, was like it was a lot better than I remembered it being. When I was younger and watched it, I thought that it was like absolute garbage. You viewed but that's it because I didn't. But that's A, because I didn't understand how the matches go and everything like that. You know, I was kind of new to all this stuff. But as an adult going back and watching this match, it's one of the best matches. It's probably, probably for me, it's in my top 20. Probably about maybe 15. And that's not a bad thing because I'm picky. No, I, that's a good thing. I, I'm with you. I think it was a very good match for what it was, knowing what they had to work with. Yeah. Um, I did like the finish a lot because it made a lot of sense. I did too. Going back, watching it, I, 
it starts resonating with you, uh, to your credit, what you brought out, that uh, great observation. And what I love is the face-to-face, even the beginning. You don't, oh, have yeah. to, you don't have to start wrestling. That's the thing. You don't go 90 miles per minute. I think that's why people, it's a lost art. They were so close that I think the only thing that could pass between their noses was a piece of construction paper. Oh, yeah. They were very uh, close to each other, but that's what sold it. I mean, it, it made you believe there's some issues. These guys want to fight each other. They're actually legitimately bad, and they were in some cases. And then, you know, Muhammad Ali getting involved, chasing Bob Orton on the outside was always pretty uh, clever and classic, you know, the heel tactic. But, you know, Muhammad Ali was that, that baby-faced boxer. Having Pat Patterson, you know, i got to credit Jim Cornette for this, uh, listening to his podcast, because, you know, A&E did the uh, – the WrestleMania one bio. So it's pretty cool. We're talking about this. Actually, it segues yeah. nicely, good transition, but he mentioned, uh, and I'll just say this briefly that you needed Pat Patterson in that ring to help lead the match, to make sure with Mr. T Muhammad Ali, because these guys didn't have the experience in pro wrestling. So you had to have like that Pat Patterson in there. So, and that made perfect sense. That clicked with me when he said that on his podcast. And like, I don't think people realize how much Pat Patterson was involved with a lot of like the outcomes of a lot of matches. Not just him, but Briscoe too. Oh yeah. Briscoe. All of them were instrumental. I mean, Pat Patterson. But, uh, yeah. There's it, a reason. It was very much like if you needed to figure out how to like use a Phillips head screwdriver to finish project, Pat Patterson will tell you how to do it in a way that you're like, Holy crap, that, that screwdriver looks amazing. Oh, it does. And, and they were artists. I mean, it's an art form. It, it really is when you're discussing wrestling. There's story to it. There, It's very physical. But yet these guys are pros. And it's the beauty of it because Mr. T uh, did not know anything coming in. I mean, he was relying on Hulk Hogan, which was fine. But you still needed those heels. You needed those bad guys like a Piper, like a Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And Bob Orton. Uh, and they were so good, man. I miss uh, Mr. Wonderful. He was just such a great villain. He was a great villain. and I, It's a shame what cut his like career short. He had some kind of thing happen with his arm. It was like a degenerative issue where the muscle mass just started like leaving the one arm. Yeah, very sad. I, I don't think I even realized that in it. You know, I'm not sure what it was, but I'm sure you're right on the money there and on the spot with. Uh, it, it was some kind of. It was some kind of nerve issue that the muscle mass started deteriorating on. I think it was either his right or his left arm. So when you looked at him, if you were looking from like the front, like he looked normal. But then when you looked from the sides, kind of, I don't know if you saw Black Panther or not. I'm not sure if I have. Now, I may have seen the updated version with Steve Martin, but I hadn't seen the original. No, wait right. a minute. That's a different movie. I, I may be thinking of it. I was about to say, that's the Pink Panther. Yeah, that's the Pink Panther. Gosh, uh, you can tell I'm not as uh, astute with some of, the, some of these films, so help me out. That's why i got to make the tag to Mike here. Black Panther is the Marvel movie. Right. And in, um, in the Black Panther movie, when T'Challa goes through his process his lead arm that he like goes to block with or whatever ends up being noticeably bigger than his less dominant arm. And that's basically what happened. It looked like he had like one arm was like Hulk Hogan size. 
the other mm-hmm. arm was like Shawn Michaels size. Yeah, definitely a distinct uh, difference there. And, uh, you know, I just wrote down some quick notes. I, I like how even Hogan would stop and Patterson from doing the counts and, and just little nuances like that. And even the basic formula with, it, you know, them keeping either, either, excuse me, Hogan or Mr. T down with double teams. I mean, just good uh, tag team wrestling. What did you think of how they were uh, laying out the match? I think with what they were doing, that somebody basically ran them through, like, tag teaming 101 mm-hmm. you know like the basic stuff that like you expect that like anybody put together can do and you could see that in like a lot of guys matches today like you know tagging in the corner doing stuff and everything like that and it's funny but like every wrestler i feel like on this planet should go through at least like maybe a six-month run on being a tag team I think so, too, because it gives them that training. Even if it's in development, it gives them ring awareness. It helps them, you know, learn how to work with people. And I mean, it does. It's very essential. I would have loved if instead of Brock, like, showing up and killing, like, all the lightweights like he did when he debuted, if they would have done a tag team between him and like Shelton Benjamin. Oh, that would have been cool. I mean, knowing their history too, you brought up a, a great point that Shelton Benjamin was actually in Minnesota with Brock. Was that correct when they were back in college? So there, there was yep. a lot you could build upon in storylines. So I would have been fine with that. But it, it brings up interesting dynamics with, you know, tag team wrestling here as we're looking at the WrestleMania one main event. Uh, there's just so many things I think wrestlers can put this on tape and go back and watch like any other territory match because these guys, that's where they learned, even Hogan. I mean, Snuka, all those guys came up in the territories well before him going to Vince uh, Sr. Oh, God. And, and then, yeah, and that, talk about Green. Uh, but really, Vern Gagne, AWA, that's really some shades of early Hulkamania, but with Vince's vision, that's when now, it was I'm actually just remembering born. him tagging with... Uh... Brutus Barber yeah. beefcake. Oh, yeah, Brutus. Brutus he was Dewey Hogan. <laughs> that is funny to think of the different names and gimmicks uh, starting out. Yeah, you see the, the uh, classic footage of Lance Russell of uh, Memphis and see Hogan even there. I, I think, was he Terry Boulder or maybe Terry Golden? Maybe yeah. that was back in Fuller's territory. Maybe I'm getting them confused. But, yeah, to your point, it's just uh, very interesting to see uh, how far they had come as far as being stars and getting established in these different promotions. So it it brings up some fascinating facts for sure. Uh, But any other uh, thoughts you want to share about this match? Because I know we can talk and go more into depth, but I know we pretty much covered what we liked about the match. But any other stuff that stands out, I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, Well, let's do like a little bit of speculating. Okay. Now, bizarro history. What would you have liked to have spun out of this match? Well, I, you know, the match was fun, but uh, speculation, I would like to see probably, I don't know, that's a great question. Say that again for me, because I'm having to think about that a little bit. 
what would you like to have, like following this match and all the hype and everything like that and everybody looking like a million bucks, what would you have liked to have seen happen after this match? I would have liked to have seen, uh, I think, Popper and them getting some more heat on Mr. T. I think that's something, that way it wouldn't take away from the finish. I, I'm not saying overdo that. From what I'm, you know, saw, I don't think they, they did that because you, you wanted the clean finish. I, I understand that. But I think that would have added because you don't want Mr. T long-term but to maybe build to another match. And, uh, of course, they did. You know, Popper and T did the boxing match. I think it was, what, WrestleMania two, which was, oh, that that wasn't near. We're not going to do that one. No, we, we don't need to do that <laughs> one. But I'm just saying you could have done something. It didn't have to be a match, just a, an angle. I think, you know, to build off of. So that's just something. I mean, it, that's really a great question uh, that you pose. That's why I had you repeat it, because I'm trying to think of all the, the ways so you like, can go about it. The number, the number one most forgettable WrestleMania main event for me is Hogan that? versus Bundy. Yeah, the the steel blue cage. Was that three when they did uh, Chicago? No, it was two. Oh, two. No, that's right, two. Yeah, I got them mixed up. That was two. Were so, they? Yeah, go ahead. What I would have done is I would have kept the feud going between all these guys. Obviously, it didn't work out that way because, you know, Mr. T didn't pan out the way that they want it. But I would have had that big blue cage match, but I would have had Hogan Piper, and I would have had – Orton on the outside with a towel, and I would have had Mr. T on the outside with another towel. And the only way the match wins is when somebody throws the towel in. No, I, I like the way you're going about the booking of that. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, did, uh, think about it in that way, that, but it makes sense. That would be my like wish list of like parallel like booking afterwards. Yeah, because it adds excitement. It, it gets the fans more engaged than ever because they, yeah. they keep getting uh, fascinated. What's going to happen next? It's the what ifs about it. Yeah, and I'm not trying to take away from King Kong Bundy either. Like King Kong Bundy was a great wrestler. Uh, I can't say great wrestler, but he was good for that time and era because he was a big attraction. Yeah, he was kind of like the Andres. That was the point of their career where they were more the interact, the attractions, excuse me, the big guys. So, but I feel like it would have been a bigger pop, a bigger star power, like draw type thing. But it just didn't happen because it didn't work out the way that, you know, anybody wanted it to work out. I don't know who I would put over in the match because. I'm not sure either. You know, Piper, maybe we have Hogan drop sometime before the match, and then Hogan gets the title back. Yeah, that could work. Just kind of add some entry to uh, the championship title picture. I see where you're going with it. Well, I, I don't know. Is there anything else? Or nah, man, we, I think we, we saw it. Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. I, that's why I like doing matches. Maybe eventually we, the more we – go about this process. We'll get into more of the shows like a WrestleMania one, but it was very memorable. I enjoyed going back, watching it because it happened before I was born. So it was kind of neat to review these yeah, type you get of to matches. Smoking in the stadium. Oh, you do. Yeah. It was kind of the, the perfect mix of uh, the fan base. Yeah, exactly. Like, the other thing too, like 
everything was one elevation. Yeah. There was no like stadiums or anything like that. Everybody was on the same equal level. So like all you see is just plumes of cigarette smoke. No, that's very true. Instead of light bulbs, that's actually smoke, folks. <laughs> that's coming up in Madison Square Garden. So, Mike, I've enjoyed it. It's our first time, our debut episode. I've had so much fun. That is, uh, you know, Tyler and Mike's insights. I've got to give you credit for the name, the concept of picking the match in the event. Uh, you do so well, me. You've got great knowledge, and that, that's why I appreciate you taking the time and joining me and and you'll get a chance to host this as well. That's part of the whole dynamic. Uh, yeah, man. I got a so, chance to do it. But go ahead. Yeah. What are we doing next? That's a great question. Uh, you did pick out, shall I we do? I picked this out. So you got to pick something out now. What if we do uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 12? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be kind of neat to kind of uh, do a recap on. But this has been the show, and once again, I'll say the title for those who don't know or are watching late as they are going to see this on the Rewind Wrestling Radio Network. This has been Tyler and Mike's Insights, and this is, uh, I've had a lot of fun. It's been great, man. And uh, I'm signing off saying goodbye. We are, and uh, I think we're going to make a good tag team, my friend. Nice. Cool.